Hi and welcome to another episode of the Desi VC podcast. This is your host Akash Bhatt and each week I bring you leading investors and operators investing and building companies in the diverse tech landscape of India. Well today on the 87th episode of the podcast I've got Mukesh Kalra CEO of ET Money here with me on the show. ET Money is one of India's fastest growing investment and wealth management platforms with a total of over 3 billion dollars worth of investments under management. Mukesh himself has over 15 years of experience in building businesses and products from scratch in the consumer internet and mobile advertising space. Well, prior to building ET Money, he was one of the co-members at Inmobi, helping take it from concept into one of world's largest independent ad mobile networks. He then went on to launch his own fintech firm Money Sites which was later acquired by Times Internet and the Times Group. This was one of those candid discussions where we delved deeper into the mental side of being an entrepreneur and more importantly understanding frameworks and Mukesh's take on everything that's happening with the macro and microeconomic climate within the Indian ecosystem. I'm extremely thrilled to bring this episode to each and every one of you and I hope you really enjoy it as much as I did. So without any further ado, here's Mukesh. Mukesh, it's a pleasure to have you here on the DCVC podcast. I ever since I had the opportunity to review this, the chance to sit down across the table from you, I've been looking forward to this day. So um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Akash. It's it's amazing to be here. Thanks for having me, and thanks for taking time. You know, at late night from where you are operating from. Thanks a lot. Well, well, I'm always I've always been a late night person, so this is the most active that you will find me at any point during the day. Yeah. So it's the perfect time to have a conversation with me. <laughs> and uh, on that note, you know, I really could have started this episode in multiple ways and uh, probably gone with the origin story, or probably asked you a little bit more about. Uh, how things really panned out for you as an entrepreneur till date but i thought let's start off with something different let's start start talking about you know where we are today in history and uh, really ask you a question that may be more relevant in the times that we are and a lot of founders may also would love to hear your perspective how what do you think about the macroeconomic climate right now and how has that really impacted et money and everything that you've been working on for the last few months because as we have seen and uh, many guests who have been on the podcast have also highlighted this and mentioned that the macroeconomic effects haven't really trickled down to india as much as it has in the rest of the world so i want to hear more from an operator perspective that is true because investors obviously say that because they've raised dry powder over the last couple of years and they have capital sitting to be deployed but on the operator side when i speak to a lot of founders it's very different you know there are founders who are still struggling to raise money their founders are really thinking about having strict budgets and really being very cautious and conscious about how they go about with their company building at this point of time in history right so setting that context i'd love to hear what your thoughts are and how are you thinking about uh, where we are right now as a founder sure uh so that if if you really look at it uh, from the perspective of macro definitely there is a lesser kind of inflow of uh, vc money where as a company if you are more funded by vc money then you will start to face problems that's very clear across the board but you know at a micro level 
we don't see that big an impact. And, you know, as you were saying, simply because you look at <clears throat> any kind of consumer disposable areas, right, which is whether it is travel, whether it is entertainment, whether it is shopping, eating out, in India specifically, it's still going, you know, through the roof. And it's beating like pre-COVID levels at all, across all these uh, sections. So I think there is a micro demand which is there, uh, which is not impacted. And hence, consumer-led startups, which are focused on this kind of, you know, demand, have a very, you know, positive, uh, you know, future because there is there is a lot of de demand to be met. Now, from a company's perspective, if you have been serving uh, the demand with only VC money and don't have a very strong, say, sustainable unit economics, then it will become more and more tougher. Right, because then you have to actually kind of switch your DNA from saying growth at any cost to growth at sustainable unit economics. Uh, and that statement change uh, is very big for a lot of you know, startups. So like your, like your growth guy has to become your CFO. It's kind of that kind of scenario. So, so I think it's, it's across the board, demand is great. Uh, uh, if if somebody is building with a very strong unit economics, probably the best time to double down. Uh, and people who have not focused on unit economics and profitability will need to figure out a way to significantly cut costs. So I think that's the that's the broader top line view. Mm -hmm. And at ET Money, actually, a few things definitely kind of worked out for us in a much better way. Uh, we have been very capital conscious as a company itself. Uh, we are funded by times uh, that comes with its own, you know, a set of good things that you have to be kind of more cautious around how you spend the money. And that helps because then the DNA is set to be much more capital efficient. Right. So for example, the metrics that we drive uh, close to a billion dollars of new investments happening from ET Money app every single year. Uh and, and when we compare it to competitors who are VC funded, we are actually reaching the same level of metrics with one sixth the capital. Right. So, so, you know, if fundamentally we believe that for us, this is like the golden time where everybody else will have to figure out a way to kind of be capital efficient. And we are actually kind of breaking out from there and having a much bigger, uh, you know opportunity in front of us and you know and again you know from a wealth perspective in india uh, the micro is not changing in fact it's getting much better right so there is there is still one and a half trillion dollars lying in savings account and deposits mm -hmm. there is there is still like only uh you know 40 to 50 million investors uh, you know indians have actually been exposed to capital markets mm -hmm. right? There is still, uh, you know, pockets and segments which are becoming bigger and probably, you know, will go 10x from here. So if I just combine the macro with the micro itself and, you know, superimpose it on wealth tech in India, it's actually kind of literally day zero for, that's how we look at it, day zero for wealth in India, where, you know, so it's very, very exciting times for us. You bring up a couple of really good points there. And one thing that really stood out to me was how you compared where India is right now and the fact that the micro is growing, right? The micro is really given India a lot of momentum and 
investors and everybody in the market a lot more positivity with respect to what's going on everywhere else in the world. I'll give you a quick example. About a month ago, um, you know, Tobias Latke, who is the um, CEO of Shopify, you know, sent out his memo where unfortunately he had to make an announcement that he had to let go of 10% of the people. And in that memo, what stood out to me was that he was bold enough to highlight that the company was able to look at the projection and the growth that they were experiencing during the pandemic and then make a very bold bet. The bet being that, you know, there was, he, he bet that the channel mix, the share of dollars that travel through the e-commerce rather than physical retail would permanently leap ahead by five or 10 years. And unfortunately for him, he got that, got that completely wrong. And they ended up hiring a lot more people, which eventually ended up being mundane because post-pandemic, the growth rate came back to what it previously was. So when we talk about it from a CAGR point of view, it, it kind of corrected itself. So yeah. he kind of looks at, looks at it in hindsight and says, I, I hedged a, a very big bet on the industry really changing and that didn't pay off. However, on the contrast in India, that's not happened. Like, in fact, going back to the point that you made, the market's just gotten better, deeper, and given really a lot more positive outcome for a lot for, for investors, for operators, for incumbents to really double down on. Now, what do you really allude that to? Like, where is that really coming from? Like, why has India been probably much more, um, I would say, stable in this period of time than any other market that we've seen? And how are you looking at it from a founder point of view, especially when you were in that phase say, about seven or eight months ago where there was an uncertainty around markets and then, you know, seven, eight months in, um, we're almost inching closer towards the last quarter of the year where things have perhaps really been much more brighter and greener than anybody would have anticipated. What do you really put that down to and how much positivity does it give, give you going into the next year, 2023, when, you know, there's still talks about recession on this side of the world, where on the other side, people are just talking about opportunities and opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, so there are multiple ways to answer that, right? See, uh, first is that a lot of times the references get made with different geographies, right? So US, it's known to be a mature, saturated market. So reversal and all those things actually become uh, tougher or, you know, like significant shifts are very difficult to happen in, uh, in a saturated market because the players have figured out their equilibriums, right, in that sense. You look at EMEA, for example, the European uh, thing, there also a the lot of things are actually kind of in that similar zone. Then it is MENA, then INSEA and India, right, in that sense. So, so if you look at it from a reference perspective, India has actually kind of uh, stayed put and actually has been better performing from, you know, from demand and supply perspective. But internally at India, because the simple answer to that is the size of the market. The size of the market in terms of this, in terms of whether it is spends, whether it is, you know, the absolute value of number of people who are yet to actually get exposed to a lot of services is like massive, right? So that irrespective of a lot of macro scenario doesn't change, right? Because it's early days of India's penetration on, on a lot of products, right? So for example, in, uh, in India, there are close to 400 million savings account. But there are only 30 to 40 million investors. 
so the so the so the gap is like crazy right in terms of that right. so 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 what will ha- what happens is there will be ups and downs but at a very you know uh, significant shifts level it will always be up and to the right so that that i think the the market itself is at an early stage of growth and uh, and that actually saves a lot of uh, pain because as i said the demand continues to be high and the shift towards digital shift towards digital has been huge yeah and the second part is the underlying infrastructure specifically to you know online mm-hmm. and specifically in fintech is amazing we know the india stack i think it's a repeated story about upi then there is account aggregator which is coming so there are like so much uh, enablers that now the foundation is big the number of users are also kind of getting bigger in terms of uh, segments now it's all about actually the market is exploding in terms of the size then it is all about figuring out the right uh, segments and going after them so you will see a lot more verticalized focused uh, you know players doing phenomenally well simply because earlier there was a need to be multi product in india because each market segment was small right the slivers were very small for you to make like a billion dollar company for example right yeah. but in wealth tech itself now there are 3 to 4 billion dollar companies just yeah. for wealth tech. and just in brokerage in, in that or just in say mutual fund in itself is like a huge market out market so i think the the depth of the market is actually just starting to get much much uh, you know deeper and that opens up a very different kind of opportunities for a lot of players so i think uh, that continues to be i think the reason that you know we are not seeing uh, comparatively that kind of slowdown yeah and this also is the first time that you are experiencing something like this from an operator point of view you've been through um, multiple cycles like this you've obviously seen the 7 8 uh, financial crisis and you obviously have lived through the pandemic right now as as an operator are there anything that you can sh- is there anything that you want to share and would like to share with our listeners taking us back to the 7 8 crisis and where we were during the pandemic and if there are any similarities or differences that you saw from a company building point of view that either made your life easier or difficult to somebody who was on that side of the table every single day because you know when we listen to it from a macro perspective everything looks very very scary and everybody's first instinct is to you know just look at look at everybody else and see what they're doing and try and mimic if not have individual thought and individual thought unfortunately that industry comes you know very rarely and i'm just trying to be very generous here as well putting myself also in that bracket say yeah when the pandemic hit we we sat quiet we looked at every what everybody else in the industry was doing and then trying to take cues and because we didn't really know what what's going to happen it was the first time we as a fund were experiencing a pandemic ourselves so it's not like we had something to rely upon from a historical uh data point of view and say hey we've been through this don't worry about it it's a different market but you've been through two different phases as as a, as an operator so just putting your you're taking me down the memory lane how would you how would you contrast the two and what learnings have you had from both that kind of give you more courage and optimism for anything that might hit us in the future as well yeah so uh, in my journey i've seen 
almost four near death experiences at at a company level first was in mobi itself mm-hmm. uh, where i was the first employee there after the founders and the first product that we launched bombed like crazy and then we had to pivot and uh, and so that was that was the number one you know near death experience number two was after in mobi we started our own company money sites yeah uh, where we were building like uh, you know robinhood slash wealth friend of india way before even both those companies were in the us mm-hmm. and you know, check boxed all the rookie entrepreneur mistakes that you can think of uh and and then we actually kind of saw covid uh, right and uh, which which seemed like a very near death experience i think across all these they have different context but if i have to extract out one single theme which helps and which has helped us help me because whatever has helped me might not actually kind of be easily you know uh, you know transferable but from what we have learned is we have seen that really at a very simple level keeping at it uh is is what takes you uh, far like mm-hmm. and there is there's more nuance to it right when you say you want to keep at it you, the underlying conviction has to be so strong that you that you know that you know if i if i have another year i will be in a great great zone right, right. then you hustle and figure out how do you have 12 months mm-hmm. now to build that conviction out you need to then go much next level deeper what is the is is there a fundamental shift that you are riding on as a as a founder or as a company and is is the enablement that you are riding on or the fundamental shift or the trends that you are riding on is there a significant change in that mm-hmm. there is a significant change in that then you need to pivot to a very different level but if at that core third level there is no not much of a difference then keeping at it is your default you know operation of upgrading mode right so for example we were uh, at inmobi we were certain that the world needed a independent ad network mm-hmm. which was outside of google so it actually took us through that you know moment uh, momentary changes where we were a first problem first thing bombed and then we actually started to pick up because there was and then there were enabling factors of mobile being there and the iphone got launched and all those things actually started to come together to make mobile advertising as a huge you know market itself and when you have that what happens is you you will keep at it and you know you will continue to actually do it the second at money sites also or at et money also we we are believers at a very core principle that there is as i said there is a huge you know market out there which needs to be tapped which is still facing a lot more problems and at a very core level we are believers that there is a huge problem of misalignment of incentives between the service providers and the consumers uh the way to actually manifest that is today when a bank rm actually calls you you don't really pick his call right like you just don't want to talk to that person and this is supposed to be the most trusted institution uh in india and we have been kind of continuously thinking that why is this the case right and if you really drill it down to the third level then you will figure out that uh it's actually when an ecosystem is driven by commissions 
it really doesn't align to the consumer outcomes. When an ecosystem is driven by forcing consumers to do transactions, it doesn't align to the consumer outcomes of either having higher savings, higher you know, wealth creation and all that, right? So I think it's a very fundamental belief and it's been proven like n number of times, this hypothesis that you actually take out this misalignment of incentives, you suddenly have like a huge, uh, you know, company. And we believe that any company which solves for this misalignment in the Indian fintech uh, space has a massive opportunity to be unlocked. And to just give you one example of it, like when we started mutual funds at AD Money, we had an option to do regular mutual funds, which have commission baked into it. But there is an option for this for you know companies platforms like us to provide no commission investing. Like there is a there is an enabling. There is something called as a direct mutual fund in India where there is no distribution commission baked in. We actually pivoted to that with the underlying principle that I said that we can actually solve for that misalignment. And suddenly that became the biggest growth engine in the for us. And then it became like the biggest growth engine for Indian you know, wealth tech in the mutual fund space. And today, direct mutual funds, we drive close to a billion uh, every year. The direct mutual fund space has actually become 25% of the total mutual fund, uh, you know, AUM in the country. And this is in a span of just four years. The industry has been there for like almost 20, 25 years. And in four years, one aspect, which actually solves for the misalignment is 25%. Yeah. Right. So, so I think if that conviction is drawn from a very strong principle that you have actually battle tested multiple times, then we know yaar, ki if at all, you know, tomorrow, if another COVID comes, this fundamental thing is not going to change. So we need to just figure out how to ride that 12 months. Right. So that's one way, you know, that's one framework that actually has helped us to continue at it, uh, at during all times. And it, just helps us stay put. I think you make quite a number of like really interesting points there. And the last point that you made, which is talking about the fundamentals, right? Subramaniam and Jai Shankar also talked about it very recently, where he talked about why India probably is not experiencing as much trouble as the rest of the world is because the fundamentals were so strong and we spent a quite number of time rectifying those fundamentals in the last seven or eight years. Uh, not just owing to the current government, but also previously, you know, just putting some fundamentals in place as well. And going back to the earlier part of your answer, what I really liked was you drew two comparisons, which were in two different periods of time. One was in Mobi, where you said there was a fundamental need for a change when it came to ad networks and behavioral shift at that point as well. And very similarly, during the pandemic right now, and you gave an instance of how in the last four years, you know, there's a fundamental shift in the way that people have got about with their wealth management overall. Yeah. One key underlying theme in both is the fact that there had to be a fundamental change when it came to just user and like user consumer understanding of both the market and then giving them the product that gave them the ownership, independence, autonomy and more importantly knowledge which previously was distributed only in the hands of very few individuals and now yeah. when you make 
that ubiquitous and give opportunity to people, yeah, they will they will lap it up as much as possible and try and see what best they can make use of it. Now, having been through both these changes in two companies in almost two different decades, what what are some of those things that founders need to really implement to make sure that when you're trying to change a consumer behavior, you're not really you're not really changing yourself. You know, your 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 company's ethics, core principles, business model. You're not really letting the market dictate to you while you're trying to change how the market functions in and it's of itself. You know what I mean by that? Like while you're trying to change somebody, you shouldn't change yourself. You have that vision in mind. You have that goal in mind. You have that um, that that 20, 30 year old plan that you that you're looking forward to. But at the same time, when you when you want to make changes like this, chances are sometimes you know the, that that thing ends up changing you, who you are, changes your business model, and you kind of like get caught up in this larger vision that you unfortunately don't end up seeing what's right in front of you. So having been through both those cycles as an operator, what did you do well in both instances that kind of then led you to become market leaders? and really establish two strong companies in two different decades going through a very difficult time. Sure. So no, So first thing, uh, I think you will have to fundamentally change if the situation is changed. Mm-hmm. What, cannot, what you have to be very clear of is that the underlying principle of you looking at the opportunity, having your own hypothesis of where, where the consumers or needs are actually headed or where the ecosystem is headed and where the trends are actually kind of pointing you to. If that conviction is there, then you don't need to change that principle. Mm-hmm. But there would be like at least 20 different ways to achieve that goal, right? Mm-hmm. So if the market context is changing, you change the change your uh, you know dynamics in the way uh, the market is actually kind of uh, uh, wanting to actually so that you are able to capitalize on the shifting markets. Uh, so so coming back to your answer. I think the it it was a fundamental belief that there is a there is an opportunity out there. Uh, that was that was very very you know that took us through. Second, the whole uh, team team's tenacity, right, to actually power through into into areas where there was like zero, the category in India for mobile advertising in two thousand seven wasn't there, right. But the sheer uh, tenacity and the belief was one, you know, very core ingredient to it. And and the shifts in the consumer, uh, you know, that people are shifting to mobile and that that was not changing. That was just going bigger and bigger. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not very sure as to what 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 is the question that you want to actually for me to answer, which is, do you change anything in the in the way you operate when the shifts are happening, or how do you want me to actually address it? In what a bit of, a bit of both, actually. I mean, I'm really curious about how you stay true to the fundamentals and the principles that you're talking about, right? Like, how do you do things when so much around you is 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 just is just changing every single day, and there's constant doubt around you, and the people who are with you sometimes doubt you. Sometimes there's doubt coming from within the founders themselves. While you have that inner voice that's also telling you that hey just go ahead and you know stick to the conviction there's there's so much uncertainty around you that it kind of like almost makes you question every single day while you have that single singular belief within you as well i want to i want to uncover that that feeling that founders go through and we've seen a number of founders go through even the ones who have been very successful go through very difficult periods 
but what yeah. fundamental thing that founders great founders very successful founders do that kind of sets them apart in such difficult situations and what can you know budding founders or founders who are kind of going through some difficult periods right now learn and take away in terms of perhaps frameworks things that can really help them stay true to their own conviction while not really being bothered and bogged down by everything that's happening around them all the noise that's kind of you know creating this cloud of judgment every single day yeah that's a that's a great question actually one is the belief belief is strong from a operation operate on a day to day operations perspective right to at a yes. very micro day to day level yeah uh, there will you know the way, the way to actually solve for that dissonance is to keep kind of aligning at in in like 10x more ways when the market is actually in a different zone like when you are facing problems like what her, helped during inmobi days and right now at 80 minute during covid days was just a obsessiveness about aligning everyone in the team that there is there is light at the end of the tunnel and mm-hmm. the tunnel is not very big because we have enough nuts and bolts and we do have a train to actually kind of take it through i think that is the first basic uh, you know thing that will help a lot like that helped us to actually over communicate keep on aligning to this to and reinforcing the beliefs that why we are into into existence why this is not changing and it's all about figuring out the next 12 months mm-hmm. and then drilling it down to the how of it that how are we going to actually kind of figure that 12 months out or right. 6 months out 9 months out 12 months and as founders you don't have an escape to that you need to figure that 12 months hustle to say that okay let's take these three shots if it is a problem on the funding side then we will actually figure out a way to take a bridge mm-hmm. right uh if bridge is not possible is venture that uh, a possibility if you know so you need to figure out what is the moving part in your equation which helps you take you take to the next 12 months so for example at inmobi when the first product bombed navin was very clear that we'll need a series a very soon without actually having a new business in that sense so mm-hmm. we pivoted from a from a m coach which was a deal search engine on sms to a completely mobile ad network in a span of like 3 months and and the pitch by navin to the all the founders or to all the investors was about a independent ad network and and that took like 6 9 months and during that time we actually ended up building a ad network and and we actually started while the pitches were happening we were and we were actually able to showcase that there is there is opportunity out there there is a working you know product out there and there is advertising dollars which are actually being burned on the network today mm-hmm. so so in like in like 6 9 months uh you know the the founding team there figured out the largest series a at that point in time in the startup startup ecosystem yeah and and similarly at you know again during the covid period we were actually kind of surprised with the kind of consumer data that we were getting we thought that people will not actually invest right because you know everybody was saving for the rainy everybody was actually so when we actually just went to say, went and talked to consumers there were like two three things that were coming together one was that there was huge amount of time now available to the consumers 
for a certain segment which we are focused on which is salaried individuals earning 7 to 10 lakhs minimum of income and you know and and that segment was actually having a lot of savings because they sh- they were at home right right the third you know pocket of savings was there was no uh, expenditure or spends that was happening on entertainment eating out you know traveling yeah. so that added to the savings right so suddenly there was this amazing moment where we had consumers having time and consumers having money at the same time like yeah. usually you don't have both the things together right like <laughs> either you have time or you don't or you have money but that was the that was like i think it's such an amazing insight and the second big insights for big insight for us was that suddenly everybody started questioning as to how should i be living my life i'm sure there is a lot of realization that everybody had that hey i want to actually kind of i don't know what my life in itself is uncertain so might as well i want to live life on my terms mm-hmm. the moment you actually start having that self realization the number one thing that comes to everybody's mind am i financially you know strong do i have enough money to live to live like that yeah and the moment you actually have that realization the first thing that you do is to say that i can't keep my money in my savings account right there is no way that i can actually be uh, you know achieving any kind of financial freedom if i don't invest and that acted as such an amazing turbo engine for the whole wealth tech industry and specifically for us because we were focusing on an audience which was having this you know time money and that self realization which is making money center stage for them and the good part was because we have been at it for the last 4 years we could actually unlock in in like 3 to 6 months we could unlock a very huge growth for us mm-hmm. because we did not we did not go conservative and say that oh we don't want to actually kind of serve investing needs now we need to figure out some other needs of the consumer right. we said that we'll double down on investing needs right so and and that actually helped so the the operating principle there was probably understanding at a very consumer level what is changing is it the while the overall macro is obviously like you know one and a half trillion dollars still lying that is not changing it's actually increasing but the consumers shift towards that was massive mm-hmm. and then the, the second you know the, the second big turbo engine that we saw that actually lifted everything everybody up was the insane amount of awareness being created by content creation engines that were getting set up yes. right so before covid if you actually searched for best mutual funds to invest or how should i start investing in mutual funds you would see like hardly any videos correct and during covid because everybody could create a video on it and there was also monetization opportunity possible for by creating videos suddenly the level of awareness was insane right yeah and that actually said that okay i need one was the you know first level understanding that i need to do something about my money second one was there was this intent creation so you actually as a consumer you start to act on something when you actually have some framework to start off right that's right and that that whole content creation economy actually created converted that awareness into a very strong action 
and then we actually because we were available we had the best product in the in the country on mutual funds we started to see like insane amount of inflows what we had to do was just make it far more richer stronger better right right and from from a you know product perspective once we had these insights we said that let's uh, have much more stronger decision making tools for consumers because we see that there is intent there is money and all those things but people are still lost into how should i actually what is that best fund that i should be investing in right and that's where we started creating a series of you know super powerful tools for indian consumers for investing yeah. and that actually led to another level of growth so you know if i drill it down while the context at inmobi is very different and it's a b2b setup and and here it is a very different context one underlying thing is that okay principally you have the belief and the conviction stays the way you go out and hustle to understand what's happening and rapidly apply yeah is is what is going to take you uh, you know to the you know to the next level and and once you are into that mode then you actually forget the market out context right yeah because you're so deep you're actually kind of and you if you don't hustle like crazy at that point in time you're just you cannot uh, paralyze yourself into that during that time that's i think probably in both the things the common theme is that belief is there but you don't paralyze like yeah. you don't get paralyzed because of you know so much negative uh you know discourse that is there around you right and then hustle rapidly to get the consumer insights or whatever can take you to that uh you know uh, survive for that 10 12 months right yeah probably you know sometimes i felt that we were thinking of survival but actually it was the chance to not survive but thrive right uh, like hyper growth yeah like go for growth so so i think uh, that really helped us yeah in in that particular segment not only did you uncover so many insights with respect to your own journey um in both cases at inmobi and now at et money but also you delved into a bunch of fundamental concepts right from culture where you talked about and i don't know if you noticed that but in one of your earlier points that you made you talked about how you know the founders were able to infuse their own vision their own direction and starting with that why as simon sinek says and then going out to like the other um two periphery circles are talking about that whole golden circle concept so all the way up until you know current trends that we're seeing across social media content creation which really has propelled the industry forward and more importantly just made ev- every consumer at least aware about you know in your in your case mutual fund wealth management but in other cases just getting people acclimated with these terms you know yeah. growing up fortunately or unfortunately i don't know about you i wasn't exposed to this kind of stuff i was exposed to a lot of business stuff but i was never told from day one that hey you got to start thinking about investing when i was a teenager if i wish somebody had told me because my brother i've got a younger brother who's 15 who's now having this access to content every single day wherever he looks like he can't escape that because it's there in advertising it's there in newspapers these startups are advertising in on ipl um matches so you're literally surrounded by brands who are telling you every single day that you know you earn one money put 50 uh, uh, 50% of that into into some sort of an investment um opportunity fund whatever it is right now i also want to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here in two different situations sure first is um we've looked at the trend of 
people investing during the pandemic and fortunately or unfortunately while they got introduced to it they have made some bad investments because lack of awareness didn't really know how the market works probably looked at something that was hot on paper didn't really know the fundamentals invested in wrong things and maybe now second guessing whether investment is for them or not sure so while you know there's been that trend where awareness has come about there's also you know some to an extent some investors who are looking at it and saying maybe this is not for me i tried i failed and you know this is something that warren buffett and charlie munger talk about all the time you know the good investors continue to invest and in fact they want the price to keep going down and down no matter how much they keep investing because at some point you know the markets will correct themselves and you eventually try to make money because it's a long term game and unfortunately a lot of investors don't get it because we're also in a sort of an environment where it's all but instant gratification we want to see today we invest 100 100 rupees we want it to be 1000 you know in like one year's time it doesn't really happen like that yeah. when we hear all these unrealistic stories on social media that's the first instance now the yeah. second since you talked about was also content creators and while i've loved the fact that everybody from a tanmay bad to all the cas like ca rachna who kind of like have their own uh, massive following who really taken that baton and you know passed on from one person to another in terms of bringing that consumer awareness around just wealth management and finance personal finances per se there's also a section of the population that accuses them saying hey you're kind of shift you know you kind of like pushing people in one particular direction because you know fundamentally when you take a look at how they are also working you know they it's the industry it's the nature of the industry some people will work with them so that you push them in a certain direction some brands will end up giving them a little bit of like money to to really push a message what are your thoughts on you know market manipulation while the market as such is not getting manipulated the consumer is getting manipulated and therefore their money gets invested and at some point that that just can continues to compound and therefore you also then toggle the market in one way or the other so what is your stance on market manipulation when it comes to content creators and how they are being accused lately of just um pushing people down the wrong wrong path unfortunately because of the brands that they've created so those are my two questions to you which is playing devil's advocate sure sure <clears throat> i think uh, great questions perfect uh, you know setting because see there are the the there are a lot of things that have happened in the past say 4 years in the wealth tech space specifically now you're right that people have been because i think it brings me back to the first principle at tt money that we actually live by is misalignment of incentives right is between between say transacting ecosystems or brokers or a lot of times mutual funds as well because they are commission oriented that's it is that when when everybody is forcing you to do a transaction they actually make everything like more ki you actually buy the product right now Mm-hmm. because you want to actually kind of keep on keep on doing uh, more transactions and when that when that happens what we started realizing is that people are just in the in the frenzy of uh, investing and the number of products that are being thrown at them and because they are becoming easy to actually invest in people are accumulating insane amount of number of products itself whether it is the like the average portfolio for the user ends up being like 10 to 15 stocks you know 7 to 11 mutual funds, mutual funds. 
then people have actually invested in you know three or four cryptocurrencies yeah and then there are then there are bonds that people have invested in which actually su- surprisingly promise you like 14% irr you know which are actually shown as a bond right so there is there is this a number of products actually people have bought and now what happens is with increasing amount with increasing number of products every decision making becomes tougher right yes as to how do we like i have so many products what should i do now whether if the market is up should i be investing in a stock or a mutual fund or crypto or what should i do so we started seeing that there is a there is clearly a a, a non linear increase in the complexity mm. right mm. that was that was another thing that actually started coming up that right. you know you people actually start uh, need help in that sense and the moment you actually kind of bring it back to saying that was the right thing for the consumers to do is is actually how do we solve for that for this kind of problems is how we started actually putting uh, thoughts around it that you know this seems like a decision making problem that is leading to and as you rightly said people have just got in without having any thinking around it right and what happens when you have not kind of uh, uh made a very strong decision while you are investing or that it did not do a proper research or you it doesn't match to your personality as akash then it is tough to actually stick again to the conviction right whether it is a good or bad investment when you have actually acted on tips then you will actually say okay this tip is not working i will move to the next one right and that starts to happen is where everybody starts to lose money in the ecosystem so there is there is this you know everybody you know every broker in the country says that 99% of the of the traders or retail investors don't make money but will that broker actually stop doing fnos if this is a fact right and it is a fact but you can see the misalignment here itself right because then they keep on kind of everybody keeps on saying that nobody makes money in you know in trading yeah. and here i am the largest player in that right so if you want to really be true to the consumers you stop it right but so i think that that ecosystem in itself is designed for the consumers to keep on buying more and more and we have been trying to actually create a solution which is more personalized which helps you create helps you uh you know stick to the decisions mm-hmm. and the third thing that happens is when you have uh when you're not when you don't stick to the decisions is where you start breaking your compounding so you have a certain investment that you've done and suddenly you see the market's falling down and you cannot bear that volatility you end up moving out and break the compounding for you so we actually kind of started to put these things three things together and that's the problem that the industry it's is the overall wealth tech industry problem that is going to be massive because while the consumers have come in we got a crazy number of investors in the past 3 years i don't see why will they retain if nobody solves for their decision making nobody gives them the assurance that the decision is right and we are there to help you out mm-hmm. uh, when those tougher decisions come in and that's where we took a we took a much more you know different view to the whole thing which is very unconventional and we went and created a product called genius 
which exactly solves for this. We said that you know the whole transaction ecosystem uh, will keep on forcing the consumers, and and also it is commoditized, right? So if you really look at in wealthtech, the 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 technology to punch in a trade is exactly the same for every single broker in the country. Yeah, because it's getting powered by every single. Uh, you know, it's the same or two or three companies powering the backend for everyone. Right. I don't know how many people know that, right? And the second, you know, thing that is happening is the regulator is taking away a lot more activities from the broker away, and and that makes the makes the broker only the front end for you know for doing for just punching trade. Then there is no; it's like complete commoditization, and the only business is transaction oriented. Then you actually kind of are not adding any value to the consumers. So we said that you know we don't want to get into that zone where it's a commoditized market, with price is the only entry to the ecosystem. Then it is a race to the bottom. Then there is no unit economics, and that is happening across the board. So so we started actually solving exactly the problem that you asked in the first thing. The people are coming in, but will they stick? And if they don't stick, the industry loses. Yeah. We are taking a shot with ET Money Genius to actually focus on the segment and solve for this problem itself, which is a much more stronger, you know, product out there. And that's the insight that we also felt that you know that's the future where much more stronger personalization and decision making uh, power has to be given to the consumers. So that was the first one in the process. I forgot the second question actually. The second one was answered your question clearly or not, but. I think you uh, the second one was on the content uh, creators. Yeah. Uh, there, I think there are good and bad, uh, you know, players. Uh, there is no way to actually easily solve for it in my view, because yeah. it is all UGC, right? At the end of the day, and I'm sure that eventually regulators will start to look at it. To is it inducing too much speculation in the market, and and because of that, and is it good for the consumers? So there could be something that should ideally be done to regulate, but it's not, it's not an easy problem to solve. Right. In in terms of you know how do you actually segregate the true people who are actually really helping consumers take the right decisions about the consumption? The way we have looked at it, we have one of the strongest content you know engines. On the ET Money, you know, YouTube channel, right? Uh, it has two, three and a half lakh subscribers, uh, and and so we again simple principles we applied is that we won't do sleazy content with a girl coming and talking about stocks at eleven o'clock at night and all that, right? We don't, we won't do stock specific content. We won't do news specific content. We focus on unearthing data led insights to really manage your money. Mm -hmm. So that became like a principal theme that I think every every you know a lot of consumers started loving it because everybody gives gyan right you should do these five things yeah but there is no data behind that and if there is no data then there is no uh, you know credibility that gets built so we said that you look at any et money YouTube uh, video there will be the transparency comes from the data so that's that actually had helped us but you know to answer that question of how do we actually solve for the problem of 
a lot of people getting misguided i think it's a very tough one to solve <laughs> yeah and i'm i've kind of like been on the other side um also and you know you could one could also argue that elon musk does market manipulation with his twitter account and you know he constantly does that and he was you know he was heavily criticized by even the sec on the side of the world when he was tweeting and there was fluctuation when it came to markets and you know that trickles down to even the micro uh, influencers at some point um but some stocks but putting that aside one thing that i've kind of like learned in this short period of talking to you is i feel this is a very personal journey for you and i also happen to read in one of your interviews that the whole idea behind you getting into the whole health management and personal finance space also was because you like something tragic happened to a very close friend of yours and or some somebody who that you knew and from there on you know you kind of it, it's something that you related and you felt you wanted to you know change what had happened and hopefully not have that happen to like millions of other consumers in the country one i'm trying to understand and i i kind of uncover this with a lot of founders is the why that they're doing what why are they doing what they're doing every single day and somebody who had worked at inmobi who you know it kind of was more on the advertising side of the world and then coming into personal wealth and finance how easy or difficult was it to like make that mental change as well and bring your personal passion into it while i'm not saying you weren't passionate about ads and you know the advertising but of course you were you were very successful at it but changing passions and aligning those incentives to ensure that what you're building what you were building yesterday and what you're building today and what you will be building tomorrow continues to be very close to your heart and something that obviously you're seeing the impact of it on a day to day basis you've seen tremendous growth just in the last few years and what it's done to the indian consumer and that's enough incentive for you to come back every single day and saying hey if i'm impacting one person enough i'll come back next day if i'm impacting two people great i'll come back for a third day and that just keeps compounding over time so it, that part gives you momentum to come back but beyond just sheer numbers what really drives and motivates you to to come back come back into work every single day and how did this whole thing come into being where you felt personal finance wealth management was something that you wanted to spend perhaps the next chapter of your life building yeah it's a very good question actually loaded one <laughs> at that uh so moving from inmobi to actually money sides it wasn't easy obviously because yeah. we just raised like a massive you know round series around and we were all up into the north and all the you know 3 3 and a half years that we have been at it 16 hours a day and all that was actually starting to take like a global uh, you know shape but i think for me and santosh who was the who has been my co-founder there are problems that actually keep you awake at night which you know so the you know one you know way to actually really segregate that whether you should be taking on a problem or not is that you can't kind of get rid of that uh, from your mind like it's yeah. just you end up being possessed by it and that's my way that's probably what actually put me into that uh, zone that while everything is great out here and there is a amazing future there is a lot of equity also out there to be you know kind of put it out but but the we started getting sleepless nights about the problems that we want to solve we said and and with so much uh, work still to be done at inmobi which is having a very it was day and night job 
we hardly had any time to even you know kind of thing so being at two boats uh for a good period of time we actually ended up making that tough call mm-hmm. that let's go and solve for it uh so that's how that's how the decision actually happened and it's always you know irrational every startup decisions is as you would know it's not at all rational so trying to put a lot of you know rationality around it is post facto <laughs> that yeah but i think it's it's all about being that having that uh, you know is is the problem giving you sleepless nights right so i think that's that's the turning point for us to actually kind of shift uh, what, what what was also the eureka moment for you now that you had founded money side and you're now and even with et money right when did it feel like acha now i'm onto something like it could have been that one consumer coming back and telling you and giving you some feedback or you saw something that the data was pointing towards something or you saw like the first, it was a millionth download whatever it was like where did when did you really feel like you know what i think we're really on to something big here now to you know double down on it when did that happen yeah i think uh just uh i think it started to happen uh, first level what happened was when we actually started to want wanted to solve for this problem that it is too much commissions leading to misselling in this mm-hmm. space was there was a regulatory intervention so regulator came in and said that you know no more upfront commissions in mutual funds and we said that oh a lot of things are coming together suddenly right and and that was probably one big uh, moment for us to actually just take a jump at it that you know now the world will need tech yeah. to solve for that and we kind of underestimated the whole uh, you know shot at it because there were no users there was no one online in that sense uh, when we started money science that was like 2009 10 but when we at et money i think the first uh, the first set of uh, five star reviews right on our app which started pouring in like six months into the launch was personally for me that aha moment that there is something that we built which strangers are actually kind of coming and saying giving a five star rating and writing like wrong reviews so it actually gives you that it's and it's it takes effort right to actually rate yeah yes yeah, so that that was i think uh, personally it became and it continues to be the habit till day that i don't sleep without looking at the reviews is just in you know, my dopamine of the day <laughs> positive uh, and second uh, is also uh, you know it actually helped in multiple ways that you know we then focus on one stars becomes like a very clear feedback loop for us yeah think, uh, that just kept us kept me personally kind of very excited about that you know consumers are loving what we have so there yeah. is, there will be there will be more and more people coming in and one way to actually look at that you know probably to give my my me myself like kind of a bigger dopamine effect is to i used to always think of if there are 100 five star reviews i should ideally be multiplying it by you know 5 or 6x simply because not many people as we discussed don't would do it so there will be like at least you know a good set of consumers who would be positive about what we are building yeah so 
actually that kept us you know that kept me personally in the initial phases to be really excited continue and as i think uh, the time is passed what really has changed is it's is the bigness of the problem that we are going after like when i when i talk about misalignment incentives it's it ends up being like taking a financial ecosystem head on yeah uh, of companies which are going after which which make money of commissions or companies which make money of transactions right it's like that's the ecosystem there is that's like 99% of the companies and uh, and what keeps me going today is that we have figured out a way to solve for that uh why are the why are like by not taking any commissions on mutual funds not charging for transactions we have a genius product which is a subscription led product mm-hmm. so it doesn't actually kind of uh bias us uh, anybody at the company in terms of whether what is the amount that you're investing or what is the number of transactions that you do it's so yeah. it's a, an unlimited uh you know access to investing intelligence of uh, you know asset allocation portfolios uh with no like no bars out, out there so it keeps us like more uh like all the 238 members that we have in the company just think about one thing today is that am i adding more value to the consumers so that the consumer pays us and it's like a more fair exchange of value between the consumers and that's our way of actually taking on the whole world of commission led and transaction led businesses right yeah and if and if you really look at it from a you know another exciting thing about it is a lot of companies who have stuck by it have created enormous value like for example netflix did not end up just you know kind of disrupting dvd rentals but it started you know disrupting uh, the whole you know entertainment industry space hollywood and you know cinema and you know a lot of multiple you know industries at at once because it just provided that value at such a low cost and also what was much more uh, you know aligned that if yeah. i don't use it i just put it off right so we're kind of on that kind of journey that if we align so deeply with the consumers we build value day in and day out keep on compounding it i'm sure that a lot of consumers eventually have to uh, come to a platform like ours uh, and if i look at then the economics of it there are 50 million you know users give and take in investors in the country the whole industry is at a 52000 crore revenue pool which is like a 10000 rupees arpu yeah every year right yeah. and our way of looking at the whole you know value is that we are not giving you just transactions we do have a full fledged transaction ecosystem but we actually give you recommendations which make you far more stronger in across your financial life starting with wealth so and that we are delivering at one third that we are delivering at 3000 rupees a year mm-hmm. so like somebody giving a much more higher value 
beyond what the whole ecosystem is giving and being able to provide it at one third the cost. I don't see a reason that this cannot actually uh, shift a lot of revenue pools or displace a lot of business models. Mm -hmm. so, so that's the other, you know, uh, an excitement that we have that, you know, we have something uh, that can actually kind of really, you know, align the consumers to our, ourselves. And we align ourselves to the consumers in a much better way. And eventually what will happen is that the whole industry will have to figure out a way to do the same. Right. So at a very, you know, meta level, it becomes that we are initiating that kind of a very strong change that you better be like in line with consumer outcomes, yeah. help them profit, not just help them doing do transactions, right? So I think that's where that's path. That path is very exciting. Yeah, you're in that you're in that business of creating that snowball effect eventually, that leading to um, every consumer owning their own personal finance and having access, knowledge, education. More importantly, just more than anything else. Just availability when and when when required to invest into something and having enough knowledge that where they're putting their money today might be put to good use when you think about it from a future standpoint. And I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation so far. Typically, I end up wrapping up the episode by asking my guest about an advice, a piece of advice that they'd like to share with other founders building companies out there. But I think if somebody who's been listening to this keenly is are going to take away a lot of insightful uh, points that you made with respect to just company building. So I want to ask a different question to you. What What is your wish for how the Indian consumer market, especially in the wealth and financial sector, what is your wish for them? Like what is the ideal case scenario from your point of view? I think if the whole uh, ecosystem ensures that we have close to say 50 to 100 million millionaires minted mm -hmm. over a period of like say 10 years i think we'll make a dent on the india's you know gdp itself mm -hmm. i'm talking about the wealth ecosystem because other ecosystems we don't i don't have a view but imagine that having we as a company, if you are able to deliver, say, 5 million millionaires, dollar millionaires, mm -hmm. over a period, the kind of unlock that can happen can be huge. And yeah. as an ecosystem, if you are able to actually kind of do that, it will be like an amazing uh, goal to hit. Yeah. The wealth perspective. That's a fantastic note and a very positive note to also end the episode on because it kind of gives a lot of our listeners some sort of, you know, one intention to go out and be a little bit more mindful about this whole concept about money in their personal lives. The second most important thing, I think from your point of view also is you summed it up in such a way that you kind of also made every, every listener, hopefully, even if they haven't ever made an investment, at least think about it, put it on their top of mind, but hey, there's, an, there's a path here, that path towards positivity, path towards independence, path towards more than anything else, realizing your own dreams. And I think it goes back to that initial point that you made, where and what can I do and how easily can I do whatever I want to do in life? And the most important thing for you to do, whatever you want to do in life is having a little bit of financial independence. So yeah. in some way, shape or form, you've kind of like summarized your own answers and some of the insights you brought about with that one line. And I think that's the highlight. You know, I think I've had such a wonderful time chatting with you. 
And while we didn't delve deep into ET money, the product or anything as such, I think we've just uncovered a whole lot of trend-based conversations where the industry is right now. And more than anything else, what I've really taken away is your insights and learnings as a founder, be that in Mobi, be that money sites, be it right now at ET money as well. And everything that you've learned, that really goes to also give some of our listeners an insight into what it takes to build a fintech product. And there are so many underlying themes here. And while some of these answers were not direct, you answered everything that I had in mind and I wanted to accomplish on this episode in one way, shape or form. So I'd like to really thank you for your time. Um, I've had a really wonderful um, you know, chance to sit across the table from you and hear some of your insights. And I'd love to bring you on at some point in the future as well and have many more conversations just around personal finance. Because I think there's an opportunity to educate a new generation of consumers every year. Somebody who's never thought about investing, somebody who's just getting acclimated to the whole world of investing, and somebody who's just discovering different uh, products out there. And I think we're giving everybody a chance to also take uh, their own personal finance into their own hands. So thank you so much. Really grateful. And um, uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to Ishika and she's a who helped make this episode happen. So thank you so much, um, the two of you. Um, really had a good time here, Ramakesh. Thank you again for being on the TCVC podcast. Well, thanks a lot, Akash. You have a knack of, you know, gleaning insights from conversations by just asking the right set of questions. I think it's also up to you to, you know, you've been an amazing, uh, you know, host at it. A lot of things for me to learn as to how to actually do a podcast, if at all I have to do, if I get time to do it. So great to actually have beyond beyond the CBC podcast. Thanks a lot for having me here. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another amazing episode here on the TCBC podcast. Thank you each and every one of you for joining and listening into this conversation. I really enjoyed a couple of takeaways, but more importantly, I really loved how Mukesh was able to talk about his own personal learnings from Black Swan events that have taken place in the country. And most importantly, what it's really taught Mukesh of what not to do during black swan periods. His fantastic insights on market manipulation as well as mental models and vision for the future of Indian finance was something that I really enjoyed listening to. Thank you again Mukesh for being on the podcast and sharing some great insights with each of our listeners and myself. And if you're like me and you enjoyed this episode and all the other ones that we've been bringing you so far, please go ahead and rate and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. It really helps others discover the show, but more importantly, keeps you updated about any of our future releases. Now, with that said, we're gearing up for a great bunch of episodes in the last leg that brings us close to our Sentinel 100th episode mark. So please make sure you tune back in each and every week to see who we've got. A good mix of operators as well as investors doing some great work and changing the landscape of tech and venture capital in the country. So until then, stay safe everybody and continue to keep hustling.